Amen. Thank you so much, Arena, for playing so beautifully for us this morning. I've been asked this morning if we might begin again in prayer, remembering several things. And so we're going to do that. And I'm going to ask A.D. Owens to come up here and lead us in prayer today. Uh, A.D., if you find me somewhere and speak to me, I will not forget you. Um, I just ran into him yesterday over lunchtime. But here's some special needs that we have today. Uh, Billy Hopkins' oldest daughter, Kaylee, is uh, in the hospital with um, some complications. And so we need to be remembering that family and her in particular. And also, um, Donnie Moore has been called to go to where his mother is. And not sure of the uh, exact situation, but we need to remember her. And then also I was asked to remind you that this coming Tuesday is election day. Vote. It's time to vote. So please don't forget that. I was also reminded that there are some very important things before our state legislature in uh, on Wednesday, uh, some concerning abortion bills. So will you please remember uh, that? And then, A.D., the real reason I called you up here was because you're a veteran. And we're going to be honoring veterans in a few moments. And I was reminded that Veterans Day is sometimes really hard on veterans because can be things they um, don't want to remember and maybe some things that's just painful to remember. So would you just lead us in this prayer time this today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and gather in your presence and to fellowship, Lord, one with another and, and just to praise your holy name, Lord. You're so kind to us, you're so good to us, Lord, and, and yet we... We fall by the wayside so many times, Lord. We, we fail to see your goodness, and we just claim for more. We want more. Lord, we, we pray that you forgive us of our wrongdoings, of our sinful ways, and we just lift you up in glory and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Lord, we have a special prayer this morning for the Hopkins family, the Moore family. We lift them up to you right now, Lord, and we lift all those up who are hurting, Lord. There's so many unspokens here that we don't even know about, Lord, but you know them. And we lift it up to you now, Lord, for your healing. Lord, it's a special time and a privilege in our country coming up with the elections. And there's so much on the ballot, Lord, that we, we just wonder why some of us are even there. It shouldn't even be discussed, Lord. It should, it should not be a priority, but it is. And we have to vote about it, Lord. And we pray that all of our hearts will be guided to follow you and what you would have us do. It's a very important time in our country, Lord. And uh, we just lift you up that you would lift us up and that we can do the right thing. Lord, as we come to celebrate our veterans, their Many who have gone through so much, as Scott said, that uh, we don't know about and uh, some don't care to tell about. But we lift them all up to you, Lord. Our, our country does not recognize our veterans as I feel they should. Uh, but you know what we've done and you care for us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, just guide us and bless us in all that we do. We pray it all in your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eddie.
call me on carpet anymore. Okay. <laughs> he told me not to call him on the carpet anymore. <laughs> Which means I'm going to call him every time I have an opportunity. <laughs> so in a few days, it will be Veterans Day, and we always like to take a moment to honor our veterans here. And so the way we do it is we sing all the songs uh, from the armed forces, all the branches of the armed forces. And uh, we ask our veterans when the song from the uh, branch of service that you served, when that song is sung, if you will stand up and then everybody else gets to cheer and clap for you better than they did at any football game yesterday. <laughs> and so... Don't forget that uh, you stand up when your time uh, comes. And then at the very end of it, if you'll all stand again together. And folks, you make them feel appreciated today. Peace out. 
as we lift our voices to the Lord today. Praise Sam if you'll join me. Son of God and man, you are high and 
lifted up and all the world will praise your great Jesus worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us Son of God and man you are high and lifted up and all the world will praise your great name your great name your great Acapella. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Now listen, if you like that sound, hallelujah. If you don't like that sound, 
Hallelujah. Because that's just a foretaste of what it's going to be like in glory, I believe. Sing holy for 
If you've ever felt this way or not, but this week I found something that someone's, they actually sent it to me, I didn't have to do much finding. And it's a beautiful picture. You know, in this day and age, we hear about people identifying this, that, and the other. You know that. You know, people born one way decide they're going to identify another way. And I've heard in the past two weeks about people identifying as a cat. And I heard this week somebody identified as a frog. So someone sent me this, and I don't know if you can see or not, but it's a picture of a tire on the front of a Jeep, and there's a little goat. It's a pygmy goat. And so I've, de I've decided to claim this. It says, I don't want an adult anymore. Don't even want a human. I want a goat. Which means I can jump around randomly, eat what I want, and headbutt anyone who annoys me. So it's sort of funny to think about all that. But what we need to identify with as children of God is Jesus Christ. We call that discipleship. Discipleship is the process. You know, for a long time, we had the idea if somebody came to faith and they signed a three-by-five card and we got them wet, then they could sit in the pew and that's all there was to it. It's not. It is a lifelong process, a lifelong process. I, I don't have the pictures for you. I wanted to show some pictures for you of our men's ministry. I've got pictures this week where those guys are going out in the community, eating at all kinds of places for the purpose of discipleship, and they do their Bible studies there. And Gentlemen, we will meet the last Sunday in this month at 6.15 here um, for our next uh, get together gathering of everybody and then they break up into small groups i want to tell you why that is so important to me because i was born into a family that went to church i went to a church for a long time when a lot of my friends made a decision as a six seven year old boy i i went down to and i did all that but I was not a disciple of Christ. And it was not till years later in a revival meeting where a pastor, a preacher said, looking right at me, I want to ask you a poignant question tonight. Have you ever really been saved? And I thought I was going to die. And I thought I was going to die without Jesus. It scared me. And so that's 
the experience that brought me to real faith and I've had people to speak into my life and I'm so thankful for those who have gone before me and even now I have the joy each week of Chris Landrum speaking into my life Joey Burnett speaking into my life Ken Forrester speaking into my life all kind of people in this choir I just love that and so I want that for everybody because at the end of the day everything else we do how many times we walked into the church building is not going to make a particle of difference how many Sunday school classes we attend is not going to make a particle of dif difference what's going to make a difference is if Jesus is real in our life if it is Jesus that we have so yesterday morning I had the opportunity to sing a song at Miss Melba Banton's service and I want to share it with you today because I think this is sort of a life song for me. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Forgive me, Jesus. And when I am alone, oh, when I am alone, when I am alone, Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I'm going you know, and the way you know. Then Thomas, who is often labeled as a doubter, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So when I come to die, oh, when I come to die,
to die when I come to die give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus you can have all this world you can have all this world you can have all this world but give me Jesus Well, amen goes right there. So good to see each of you today. If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 4. Scott, thank you for uh, sharing today, for the choir, the praise team, all of our musicians. Uh, thank you for all the veterans that are here today. And uh, what a great opportunity just to take a few moments and to honor you. And I hope that you will um, look forward in the coming days and that you will celebrate and thank many of those men and women who have served us and served our country well. So good to see each of you today. I know we've got some guests here today and so thankful that each of you are here. Our daughter Susanna is here and I promised her I, I won't tell any stories about her. All right, and uh, but she's here today. Her boyfriend Matt and Matt's mom and dad and uh, Mark and Melissa. We're so glad that you are here, and so uh, we're going to go eat after a while and uh, just hang out, ha have a, a great time together, and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Jim Goodrow and his sweet wife are here with us today. Jim, just wave at everybody right quick, okay? He's the high priest of Spartanburg, right? And uh, so I just so grateful, even at a distance, because most of my ministry in the up state was in Greenville, but uh, but but so often and, and so many times you would hear his name, and I know that so many people have such great love and respect for you, brother, and we are so thankful that you and your sweetheart are here with us today. It means a lot to me that you are here, and uh, well, it's time to preach, and I'm telling you, the music has got me fired up today, and I'll tell you this, there should have been a lot more amens happening during the music today. I know you bunch of crazy Clemson Tiger fans, all right? You're just down in the mully grubs, aren't you? <laughs> then come to, the, come to the good side, all right? Come to the good side. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to start a fight today, all right? I don't want to start any fights. Again, if you have a copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 4. Now, I'm going to do something today that typically you, you've... you've you know, heard me preach and uh, put up with me <laughs> since February. And so, you know, generally when I'm in a text, I'm going to stay in that text. But we've, we've been in a kind of a theme for the last several weeks trying to answer what I think is a critically important question, and especially for Poplar Springs right now, and that is this. Your mission or your vision statement says that you want to grow disciples inward, upward, and outward, right? 
And so one of the clarifying things that we all need to be on the same page on then is to be able to answer the question, then what is a disciple? What is a disciple? And so in doing that, we've chosen this passage here in Matthew chapter 4. Here's Jesus going by the Sea of Galilee, and he is looking, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we've taken that one phrase, and we begin to turn to dissect that thing and kind of drill down in each of those. So we know that one, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Your eternal destination is all predicated on what you do with those two words that Jesus spoke, follow me. And so we can see that this is an invitation to join him, an invitation to come and walk alongside Jesus, knowing that Jesus is the Lamb of God who took all the sin of the world, my sin, your sin, all the sin of the world upon himself, and there he went to Calvary. He bled and died. Somebody say amen. That you, you, you can be free and that you can be justified today. And so our salvation is in none other than Jesus himself. So it was his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection that guarantees that you and I can have eternal life. And that we can experience abundant life right here and right now, follow me. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. But it goes on from there. It goes on. He said, and I will make you become fishers of men. So I want to spend some time today on that second statement, I will make you to become. One of the great things is everybody in this room, we all need change, right? Before I came to Jesus, I needed a life change. And guess what God is really good at? Change. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is past and all is becoming what? New. So we, we call this so salvation. And here in this text, I think there's a beautiful picture of sanctification. Big word that just means here is this incredible day-by-day, moment-by-moment process that Jesus does inside the heart and life of each of his disciples that make us more and more like himself. Change. We all need change, right? Gosh, years ago, Pat and I went out on our first date. I was so excited that finally Pat Rampy from Liberty, South Carolina, said that she would go out. We were, we were, you know, in college at North Greenville, and, you know, the motto there is ring by spring, right? And uh, so, so I, I, I finally got enough nerve that I finally asked her out, and she said yes, and I was so excited. I was so excited that we left the campus at Tigerville and drove all the way to the Pizza Inn in Greenville. <laughs> and we're coming down 29 out the no joke we're coming down 29 and i don't know where i i i'm ashamed to admit this but i really didn't hear a whole lot of what she was saying because i was just in the zone i was just so happy she was sitting in that front seat with me you know what i'm saying i was so happy but all of a sudden i heard these words my name is Pat Rampy, and I ain't changing for nobody. <laughs> now, Chip, I heard that loud and clear. 
and I kind of went in that matrix mode, right? Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I think it was a, I, I really do think it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I just said, you know, that's one of the things I like about you. <laughs> but you know what? I've seen her change. Matter of fact, she said on one occasion, I will not marry a preacher and I will not have red-headed babies. <laughs> Guess what she did? She married a preacher and six out of the eight are red-headed for sure. Susie's kind of on the margin there with the strawberry blonde, all right? Change. Everybody needs some change, right? And God is the master at change. And so I know that on June 11th, 1970, I know that God saved me. But the grace that saved me and wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life is still the same grace that continues to change me every single day. And so what I want to share with you today that may be just a, a different angle is the fact that it is vertical, but this change also is horizontal. So I know the change is something that only God can do. That's why Jesus said, and I will make you. He's the only one that can make the change happen. I'm not talking about behavioral modification. I'm talking about a change of your heart. Change of how you think. A change of how you operate. And you're not thinking about you and you're not thinking about self, but it's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus himself. So I want to know about that. I hope you do as well. Now, here's where we're going we're gonna to kind of make a little bit of a change. Typically, I'm just going to stay right there in Matthew chapter 4. But I want to use another passage today to show you not only is this sanctification something that Jesus does positionally in himself, in me, but the evidence has to be horizontal because we are all a part of this thing called the church, right? We're in spiritual community together. And so I believe this is a great litmus test to show us how much we, in fact, are really being changed by Jesus. Jesus made this statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Well, one, that can't happen without Jesus. Number two, I don't think it can happen without others in my life. There has to be a connected relationship with Jesus and with others. I love to read things by different people. Uh, Jim Putman is one of the guys that from time to time I do like to read. And going through um, a study in Galatians 5, he made this statement about the spiritual fruit. The spiritual fruit is relational fruit. And I believe that. And so today, here's our, I know you've been in Matthew 4, but now I want you to look at Ephesians 4, all right? Just turn very quickly to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to walk through just four or five verses in Ephesians 4. And I want to talk about change, this change that comes from Jesus, but this change that can affect every single relationship that I have. 
Listen to this passage. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for this day that you have given us. And Lord, a time of worship today has been sweet. And we pray, Lord, that in these moments that we have together to continue to worship you through your holy word, that Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would be our teacher. Father, I pray that you would just keep any evil spirit away in these moments, that you would give us ears to hear, God, that we would receive what you are speaking to us about through your word today. And Father, I pray that you would give me a boldness to proclaim your truth today. And that, God, we would see how important it is for us to continually be changed by you. And, Lord, we recognize that's the change that only you can produce. But, God, show us how important it is to this church family that as you do the work of sanctification, God, it will actually unify us and make this body stronger, and that, God, you will make the gospel richer. And I pray, God, that it would be a motivating factor of us continuing to pursue you. And, Lord, I ask you to do that for no other reason than for your good and for your glory. And I ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. There is this call here. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. He's speaking to those who are born again. He's speaking to those who have been called, those who are following Jesus. Christ has redeemed you, so now it's time to walk. And the idea of walking is taking those little steps, right? We've got a granddaughter, Kavana, and she is just now beginning to stand up, and she's wanting to take that first step, and she's got that little walker thing, you know, with all the bells and whistles on it, and she just gets going so fast, you know, she kind of outruns it right now. And so, you know what, adults are good at walking. Little babies aren't very good at walking. But you know what, they continue to try, don't they? And every day there's a little more growth. And every day you're strengthening those muscles. And, and lo and behold, all of a sudden your world has just changed. Because your kid can walk, right? 
And so there is this call with every one of us who are born again. And in this room, there are different levels of transformation happening even now. Some of you are taking baby steps. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. But, but, but what you've got to understand is there is a continual change. It never, ever stops. And Paul is saying, I'm urging you. I want you to be a part. I want you to walk worthy. An interesting phrase there. It means it's not an option. It literally is a command of our Lord and Savior. Paul is saying that your belief and your behavior need to match up. What you say is your creed is revealed in your conduct. He's saying those things need to be synced together. The word worthy there means to, to balance the scales, to balance the scales. So let's just suppose uh, Pat and I went out to dinner the other week, and we, we had, well, it was the other day, and kind of that impromptu kind of thing, you know. Uh, I had a meeting on Thursday, and so I went to that meeting in the morning time and had, had lunch with Brother Rick, and it was awesome. And so I was gonna, supposed to have a meeting at 2.30, and that meeting got canceled. And so when that meeting, so we're driving up, and the meeting got canceled, and I said, well, Pat, hey, once, I, once I'm through with lunch and meeting with Rick, guess what? We can do whatever we want to do. I like being an empty nester again. We can do whatever we want to do. And we rode up 26, and we spent the night at a little bed and breakfast in downtown Hendersonville, and we went out to dinner. I said, Pat, you just name the place wherever you want to go. And you know where she wanted to go? Of all places in Hendersonville, she said, I want to go to Binion's because she likes steak. I like Binion's because you can eat peanuts and throw the hulls in the floor. So let's just suppose we're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, I know that, you know, Pat's meal is, say, 15 bucks. And I know that my meal is 15 bucks. And so you could kind of round that out. And, you know, I'm going to drink water. She's going to drink unsweetened tea, which is $3. No, I'll just get that. And uh, so, so I'm a tightwad, all right? But all of a sudden they bring the bill back and I've got an idea of what it should be. What if it's twice what I thought it should be? You with me? I mean, you're going to bring that little sweet person right back over there, and you're going to explain what you had, how much it cost, why? Because you're balancing the scale. This is what I ate. This is what I should owe. The bill says I owe more than I do. And so what you just did is you had a conversation with someone in order to do what? To balance the scale. To be sure that everything is synced. It literally comes from a Greek word that means a day's work equals a day's wage. And so for the child of God, Paul is saying this, it's God through Jesus and his effectual work from Calvary not only saves you, but he keeps changing you to look more and more like himself. He wants to balance the scale that you don't operate in your flesh, but you operate in the Spirit. That you don't look like you, but you look more and more like Him. So what you say you are and what you believe, it is lived out at home. It is lived out at work. It is in the relationship with your friends. It is respected by all. It is reflected in your speech. You can see it in your finances, how you spend your time. But you, you reflect properly who you are. So here's the goal in transformation. That Jesus would be Jesus in you. 
And that every day as he does this work of grace in me and you, he says, I will make you. He shapes. He develops. And so the goal of it is life transformation. Salvation is always followed by transformation, and it is lifelong. Now, here's where I think we miss it sometimes. We all think, man, it's just me and Jesus and nobody else. Just me and Jesus and nobody else. That's not true. Can I just tell you something, church? I need you. I need fellowship with you. And fellowship is not just food, fun, and fellowship like most normal Baptist church. You'll see that in the bulletin, right? That's the favorite three words. Food, fun, and fellowship. Food, fun, and fellowship. Let me tell you something. You can have all three of those and Jesus not be in 10,000 miles of it. What I need is fellowship that is what the Bible calls koinonia, right? That that fellowship is together in him. And so, so Paul then says, that's who you are. So here's what Jesus does. He begins helping you live out who he says you are. <laughs> now watch how he does this. This is so cool. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all, here's the first one, with all humility. Maybe your translation says lowliness, but it's having an accurate view of yourself. It's not having a bad view or a good view. By the way, I think humility is, is best seen when you're not even thinking about yourself, right? You're not even concentrating on you, and, and, and you're not really bragging about you. You're not just speaking about you. I'm telling you, in recent days, I've met some very narcissistic people, and some of those are pastors, now, you would think, I, I mean, and I do, I, you know, Jim, I love all pastors. I mean, that's a part of what I'm supposed to be doing, right, to love and pastors. But I'll just tell you, there are some that I think, Lord, if you would just blink, close your eyes for just a second. I mean, so self-absorbed. Every conversation comes back to them. Whatever going on comes back to them. And Paul is saying, as God is doing this work of grace in you, you've got to understand that it's not about you. The life of Jesus is wrapped up in who? Jesus. And so how would I know if I'm walking in humility or not if I'm not in relationship with you? Does that make sense? I mean, you, you, you can't say, well, I'm a humble person if you don't have relationships with anybody else. It is in the process, it's, it's, it's doing life together that you discover how humble you really are or how prideful that we can be. And so Paul is saying the first thing is humility. Jesus gave us a beautiful picture of servant to theology in John chapter 13. He takes his outer garment off. He puts on this robe. He begins to wash the disciples' feet. Romans 12, 3 would tell us, don't think high, more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm, I'm telling you, humility is based in putting others first. This is really how you begin to grow in Jesus. And it doesn't happen automatically, does it? 
Can I just be honest with you? I like me. I like me. You want to see how humble I am? Watch it when Pat takes the remote from me. Y'all with me? I mean, I, sometimes I want to really believe I'm just humble, humble, humble. And the truth is, without the presence of God's grace in my life, I am rotten to the core. And so God says, okay, you want to follow Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Here's the first place we're going to start. I want you to learn from Jesus what it means to be humble. Second thing he says is this, humility and gentleness. Maybe your translation uses the word meekness. It means being considerate. It's the idea that you have power, but all that power is under control. We would call that that you know, self-control or control of self. It is coming to the place that you understand that you don't have to have your own way. You don't have to have your own rights. It's being secure in who you are in Christ that even in the heat of the moment, you don't go postal on somebody. You take the posture that Jesus took when he was standing before Pilate. Hey, go back and read that again. I mean, Pilate was all up in Jesus' face. And the Bible makes it crystal clear that here is the Lamb of God who stood there and he was quiet and he was gentle and he was humble. He was exercising what we know to be self-control. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. I'm telling you, he was God in the flesh. He could have wiped everybody out. But when you got nothing to lose and nobody to impress, guess what? You don't have to do that. And Jesus was just himself, gentle, lowly, meek. He goes on. Walk in this manner. Walk in humility. Walk in gentleness with patience. Say amen for patience. Now, Pat and I have a genuine disagreement. I say pray for patience. Pat says, don't you dare pray for patience. Because if you pray for it, God's going <laughs> to work it out. And I say you have not because you ask not. Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. We're learning. Right, babe? We're learning. Patience. Steadfast when you suffer. Anybody here ever suffered? You ever had to suffer for the cause of Christ? I mean, suffer. Here's, again, that picture of Jesus, this patience, this long-suffering, this reluctance to pay back or avenge. It's being able to drive down Woodruff Road or Reedville Road when the traffic is out. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? And somebody pulls out in front of you, and then they tell you that you're number one. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are days when my flesh rises up and I want to pretend this is like a derby. I mean, it's time for, and I just want to, I just say, Lord, sometimes it would feel so good just to, just to, to be, I hate this. I, this may be the last time I ever preach here, Scott. I mean, this may be it right here, all right? 
But I'm just being transparent. There are some days I think, and cool, I would have to just ram that car in front of me. Now, I know that is wrong. I know that it is sinful, but I've just got to tell you, hey, I've been walking with Jesus. I'm 16 years old. I am 60, and I'm just telling you, he's still working on me. It's not over, right? It's not over. And so I have those moments that, you know, I'll just let them in. It's that person at the grocery store. And you watched them cut in line. I tell you, I, I watched a young man at the Baptist building the other day. We were, we were cleaning up for an event that we had. We hosted all the retirees. And it was so wonderful. That was my first time to be a part of that. And I met people that I've heard their name, but I never met them. And years of just walking with Jesus. And just, it was so neat to meet some folks that had retired and just put names and faces together and just to hang out with them. It was so much fun. So now it's all over. And then we get very clear instructions. Because, you know, you got to have somebody that understands all that, right? They got clear instructions. And, and so, you know, the, the round tablecloths go here and the square tablecloths go here. And that's a good thing. I mean, I'm married to Martha Melancholy, and so she likes order, and everything has its place. I am sanny, sanguine to the bone. As long as you can't see it, it's okay. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm very careful. I'm very careful. So the rounds are going to here. The squares are going to here. But I watched one of my coworkers who came in late, grabbed one of the square ones, folded it up, but put it in the circle bucket. And I, I'm just going to be very honest with you. There was a split second I want to say, and they call him by name and go, hey, that's the bucket for the, you know, you got the wrong. And, but but I, I just, I didn't, and I kind of froze. And I watched a young man on staff named Zane. He's standing there, and he kind of waits. He's listening to him talk. He's shaking his head. And then all of a sudden, he starts moving. And he's just kind of walking around the room. And he walks over there, and he picks up the one that was laid in the wrong bucket, didn't say anything to anybody, just eased over there and put it in the right bucket. And the Holy Ghost said, now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that young man understood something, didn't he? He didn't have to call anybody out. He didn't have to correct anybody. He was patient. He was long-suffering. The word there is makrothumos. It means a lot of heat. It means to be long-fused. Now, the opposite of long-fused is what? Short-fused. You ever met any short-fused people? We'll just leave that alone right there. No, when you're long-fused, you don't have to attack. You don't have to fix anybody. You just... You don't have to get mad. You don't have to live by your feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Friend, you, God didn't call us to walk by your feeling. He called you to walk by faith. Right? And, and a person that's patient and long-suffering, they're secure in that. You, you show me somebody that's got to have their way all the time, and I promise you, two things are true. They don't like themselves. That's the main thing. 
They don't even like themselves. And number two, they're very, very insecure. Even a disciple can be that way because they don't really understand who they are in Christ and all that Jesus wants to do for them. Listen, Jesus saved you and his desire for you is, is, is so much more than just to be a fire escape from hell. Number four, last one, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Now, let's just watch the flow of this. So you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. So, Kim, what does that mean? I'm just going to put all the cookies on the bottom shelf. Here's what that means. That means that you love Jesus so much that you're willing to put up with everybody else's mess. Didn't get any amens on that one. <laughs> but it's true. But you just, you just love. And because of Jesus' love in you, you realize, hey, you, you. The Bible says, who can know your own heart? As, as much as I want to say I know my own heart, I don't even have, I, I don't even know how wicked my heart really can be. I, I don't even know how quirky I really am at times. But I do know this, that Jesus bought me, loved me, redeemed me just as I am. So if he is willing to love me for the good, the bad, and the ugly, if I say I am a follower of Jesus, shouldn't I model the same thing that Jesus has modeled in my own life? Oh, my soul. That's where the rubber meets the road. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you, 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 you got all kind of hatred in your heart. Bitterness. Prejudices. Is this on? you put up with each other because of Jesus loves you and you're going to love people. You're going to love their quirks and all, even their failures. Because Jesus loves me when I'm a failure. When I miss the mark, he doesn't throw away the clay. He loves me enough to sit me down and allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to do a fresh work of grace. So the same grace that saves me is the same grace that can change me. It's the same grace that corrects me. It's the same grace that God is using to make me more and more like Jesus, even if that means discipline, even if that means pruning. That's how much Jesus loves me. But shouldn't we love because He first loved us? He says to make every effort, to be eager. That's what that means. The, the, the word there, eager, means that you, you make every effort <laughs> to be humble. You make every effort to be gentle, every effort to be patient, every effort to bear with one another in all our mess. And that's not natural. Somebody say amen. That's why everything I preach today is not natural. It is supernatural. It is all supernatural. So you have to yield. You have to appropriate. 
You have to rest in that truth. And some of you right now, you're trying to figure out, God, what are you doing in me? We don't like it. You know, Suzanne, I don't want to lie, but I won't tell a story. I just, but let me ask you a question. Okay. So, so when you were, you were younger, how many times did either mom and I, when we disciplined you, said something like, this really does hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? A, a good bit, right? Now, I heard my mom and dad say that all my life, Scott. And that's one of the things I said I will never say to my kids, right? <laughs> and Lord Jesus, did I eat those words, right? That discipline did not happen because you didn't meet our approval. That, that we didn't discipline you because we wanted to teach you love. No, we love you. You're ours. God gave you to us. He's called us to be a steward, right? And because if we saw behavior that didn't look like Jesus, that's what we wanted to correct. And sometimes that correction was painful, right? <laughs> I really want to tell a story. I really want to tell a story. Can I tell one story? Okay, I can. Okay. You already know where I'm going, don't you? Okay. So one time. <laughs> okay. I'll hurry up. I'll hurry up because I know the Methodist will be this for lunch. Um, so one time Susie was in trouble, and I told her to, to go upstairs, and then I called her back downstairs, which is typically not what I would do. Because if I said something like, sweetheart, we need to go upstairs, or hey, pal, we need to go upstairs, they knew judgment was getting ready to come, all right? And so I called her back downstairs. Well, she had gained some weight by the time she came back downstairs. She had taken this big old heart-shaped pillow and put it right there. And she was kind of waddling down, you know. <laughs> Oh, listen to me. God loves you so much that even his discipline, it's not about his approval or disapproval. It's because he loves you. If you bought $50 worth of groceries and you got home and you only had $30 worth of groceries, you think you'd go back and get the other 20 bucks worth of groceries? Why? Because you value what you pay for, Right? Don't you think our Heavenly Father values what he paid for? But he loves us. Not just to keep us out of hell, although that's wonderful. I'm telling you, I am going to live forever. I know that my sins have been forgiven, but I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to enjoy it. God's made it possible by his grace that he can do such a work in my heart now that it makes me want to love him more and to know his grace in such a deeper, deeper way. And so in closing today, I, I just will ask you to, to think about something. Hey, is there, I mean, are, are there some things that God's kind of been dealing with you about, but you've, you've just said, you know, you just kind of push it to the side. Let God be God in you. Let him shape you. Let him, you know, I, I love that imagery of the, the, the potter and the wheel. And, and he just doesn't throw it away. You know, he just reshapes and he refashions. And it's a work of his grace.
say, Kim, well, I've got to be honest. I don't, I don't know where I am in that. Then here's what I need you to do. And it's going to take a lot of guts to do this. But, but that means this. That means you need somebody in your life that would love you enough to tell you the honest truth. So, so if I'm struggling, you're not really sure where I am with humility or gentleness or long-suffering and patience. And if I really don't know, you know what I need to do? I need to ask Pat. I need to ask Susanna. I need to ask Scott. You understand the work of grace that God does. It is a vertical work that only he can do. But that thing is fleshed out with other people. And that's why spiritual community is incredibly important. If you are thinking, well, where do I fit into all this? Hey, ask somebody that knows you. Buckle up. But that's real love, right? And that's where iron sharpens iron. And that's why as much as I need Jesus, and I do, his way means that I need you as well. And the more that I'm in tune with you, the more I'm in tune with him. The more I'm in tune with him, the more in tune I am with you. And the Lord keeps changing us. The Lord keeps transforming us. And that's a good thing. So maybe for some of us, it won't be such a shock when we get to heaven. So, Lord, today, I am asking you to continue to do a work of grace in all of your church. Lord, all of us, whether we are crawling or walking or running, God, we're, we're all, if we're saved by grace, we're, 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 in this, we're in this process of transformation at some level. And, Lord, I believe that you want to deepen that right here in the body at Poplar Springs. So, Lord, as much as we want to trust you, we, we pray, God, that we would yield to you. And in yielding to you, that you would show us how important it is to yield to one another. And that the real test at times is body life. And we can begin to see how patient or prideful we are. How how long-suffering or how short-fused. And Lord, we pray that you will just keep changing us for your good and for your glory. Lord, maybe somebody here today just needs to come and pray. Maybe somebody here today, Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's never, ever trusted you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, maybe even today could be that day. God, maybe somebody needs to join this church. Lord, what, whatever, whatever needs to happen, we're going to trust you for it. And Lord, it might even happen during this time of invitation. So Lord, we trust you with it. Make yourself known. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm just asking our praise team just to lead us. Maybe you're here today and you just want to come and find a place to pray and just to seek the Lord. Maybe you need to reach over and grab somebody today and say, look, me and you need to go to lunch because I need somebody that I can ask some questions to. And I need somebody to love me enough to be honest. Trust him. You need to be saved, you be saved. You want to come join the church? We would love to, to introduce you to joy and 
PS 101 and the importance of understanding what church membership is all about. So, brother, you lead us. Let's just trust the Lord. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, you glad you came today amen as you're leaving today there will be some men at the doors with offering plates and also if you're more comfortable in placing an offering in the uh, little black receptacles as you're going out through the portico your 
welcome to do that. If you are visiting with us, if you're our guest, you've never been here before, or it's the first time you've been in a long time, there's going to be a tall drink of water back there by the name of Joey. Joey, this is your this is your entrance, your exit music, yes. And so, and if you're fortunate, he'll take his wife with him. And when he goes out there, if you want to know more about our church, he will be glad uh, to share that with you. We have a class, PS 101, that'll tell you all about who we are. Uh, pray for us. I want to remind you of something. Um, well, their deacons will be meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock, I believe, Brother Rick, 3 o'clock. So, deacons, we'll see you then. And also, um, we are, as you know, in partnership with the First Baptist Church of Ennery. And um, we will be doing a brand new Hallelujah, which is a Christmas musical. We're joining with them. And on the 4th of December, ladies, if I'm wrong, tell me my dates. On the 4th of December, the first Sunday in December, we'll be down at their place at 6 o'clock, uh, presenting that music. And then on the 11th at 6 o'clock, They'll be coming up here, and we'll be presenting the music. It's a worship time for Christmas, so don't uh, forget that. I'm going to ask Mark Brown if you'd lead us in prayer today as we leave. Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the message that Ken has laid on our hearts, the message that you laid on his. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be better followers of you. We pray, Lord, for your guidance. We pray, Lord, for your will. And we seek you, Lord. We seek you. Seek and you shall find. Lord, thank you for all your many blessings. We ask this in your name. Amen.